Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on support.greatdetectives.net. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can hit the thanks button and give a donation uh, directly that way. And you can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go over to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Rogue's Gallery, starring Dick Powell, had come to radio in the summer of 1945 as the very first hard-boiled private detective program. ABC would uh, take the lead in that trend for a short time in 1946. ABC was probably the smallest of the four major radio networks. It had originally been the NBC Blue Network. NBC had a red network and a blue network, but there were some antitrust issues, and so the blue network was split off into ABC. ABC did not have as many affiliates, as much budget, and could at times put out some very dubious programming. However, ABC would often be more open to experimenting, to trying something new. Sometimes, uh, listening to it later, you wonder what were they were thinking. But regardless, they were open to new uh, ideas, new possibilities, new trends, and so they jumped on this hard-boiled private detective trend, bringing Ideal and Crime and the Fat Man to radio in January of 1946. Fat Man was ostensibly created by Dashiell Hammett, although Hammett essentially admitted when it came to most of the radio programs, his role was to simply cast the check that they sent him each week. Nevertheless, if a hard-boiled detective program that bore Hammett's name, like the Fat Man, could become a success. What could happen if Hammett's greatest uh, creation, Sam Spade, came to radio? Radio listeners found out in the summer of 1946 as Wild Root Cream Oil brought Sam Spade to radio over the ABC network. So now we're going to present to you that very first episode. The original air date, July the 12th, 1946, and the title is Sam and the Guiana Sovereign. The hair-raising adventures of Sam Spade, detective, brought to you by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Detective Agency. Hello, sweetheart. Sam, are you all right? Oh, I thought this time... I'm okay, sure. sweetheart. Be right down to dictate my report. Stinker. Getting me all upset. I told you I'm all right, baby. But I gotta admit, it's been another hair raiser for Sam Spade. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye 
and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with The Adventures of Sam Spade. Presented each week by Wild Root Cream Oil, the non-alcoholic hair tonic that will put your hair back in place again, grooming it neatly, naturally, the way you want it. Wild Root Cream Oil, the non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Everyday life is full of mysteries, and one of the men is how to make a hit with a girl. So give a listen while I give you a clue in the form of a recent survey. 97 out of 100 girls said they turned thumbs down on a man whose hair is either unkempt or too slicked down. So don't look that way. Spruce up with Wild Root Cream Oil. It grooms your hair neatly and naturally. And as our survey shows, that's exactly how girls like to see it. Besides, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil relieves dryness and removes loose dandruff. It contains lanolin. So ask for Wild Root Cream Oil. And now, Wildroot brings to the air for the first time the greatest private detective of them all in The Adventures of Sam Spade. Whenever you're ready, Mr. Spade. Yeah, let's see. Uh, date July 12, 1946, to Mrs. Gilmore, subject, death of Bernard F. Gilmore. On June 15th, after lunch, I'm going too fast for you, Effie? You never go too fast for me, Sam. Stick to your book, sweetheart. Where was I? After a modest lunch on June 15th... Yeah, I... I was sitting in my office brooding. It had been a pretty slim month in the private eye business. The city of San Francisco had been hit by a vicious wave of honesty. But that morning, the Chronicle had a nice, juicy story on the killing of Bernard F. Gilmore. You remember him? The co-owner of the St. Kitts Steamship Lines? I read it carefully. Two weeks later, I received a call from the partner of the murdered man, a Mr. Emil Tonescu. He lived in Atherton on Old Oak Road. A very modest lean-to, occupying only ten acres. He was sitting by the swimming pool, wearing nothing but swim shorts and a highball. Forty-ish... Latin type with a lot of white teeth. Tight above his left ankle was a gold bracelet about two inches wide. It was quite thick and had no clasp. It had been welded on. And in the center, there was a small diamond. Uh, Mr. Spade, come here. Come here, sit down. Thanks. Drink? Thanks. Don't drown it. Nice pool you got here. That's where you launch your ships? Uh, Mr. Spade, two weeks ago, my business partner was killed. Two weeks, and the police have done nothing. I want you to find the man who shot Bernard Gilmore. Hit you pretty hard, huh? Well, I, I am not a sentimental man, but Gilmore and I, we started our business with one Trump steamer. Then we immigrated to this country. I, I cannot forget our years as partner, and now... now yeah, let's see. An unidentified Gunzel held him up and shot him around midnight as he was leaving the St. Kitts steamship office on the Embarcadero. His secretary, Miss Lena Best, was an eyewitness to the killing. She arrived at the scene in time to hear the shot, see Gilmore toppled backwards off the pier into the water. Yes. The killer dropped the hull when the night watchman threw a slug after him. 600 bucks, a 10-carat rock, solid gold ticker, right? Yes. The police found it on the pier. Did he own any money? 
Well, he had a rather large gambling debt at the Calypso Club. You say he immigrated with you to this country. I take it that Gilmore wasn't his real name. Uh, No, no. He changed a few years ago after he started going with her. Who's her? His secretary. The one that was on the way to meet him when he was killed? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Who gets the insurance? The secretary, Lena Best. He wanted to marry her. She, She kept him dangling. He was getting tired of it. She knew that it could not go on. Who gets Gilmore's share of the St. Kitts Steamship Company? I do. Uh Anything else? One thing more, Mr. Spade. It might help you. Gilmore always carried a good luck piece in his wallet. A rare coin. It was the only thing the killer did not leave behind. Yes? Well, it, it has some sentimental value for me now. I presented him with the coin when we formed our partnership. Uh, look here, Mr. Spade. Uh, here. Here's a picture of it in this little book. Donescu handed me a thin book printed on very glossy paper. The title was Coins of the Realms, Volume 11. It was open to the photo of a coin slightly larger than a silver dollar, but thicker. It was inscribed in Spanish and dated 1720. On its face was a picture of a sailing ship. Under the photo of the coin was written in ink for Emil. A picture of the tie that binds us, affectionately Bernard Gilmore. Well, what kind of money is it? Uh, collectors call it a Guiana Sovereign. There is only one like it in this city. The one Bernard carried the night he was murdered. I see. That's a very attractive bracelet on your left leg. This, oh, oh, <laughs> this? Yes, thank you. It was given me by Mr. Gilmore when I gave him the sovereign. Tell me, uh, Mr. Tonescu, do you want to find the Gunzel who killed your partner, or do you want to find the Guiana Sovereign? Mr. Spade, if you find one, you will find the other. I walked up Market Street to the Chronicle building. I got off at the fourth floor and walked down the corridor to the morgue. Hi, greetings, Sam. What's on your mind? The Gilmore killing. Give me the clips on the story. Oh, yeah. Bernard Gilmore. As a matter of fact, somebody I'm is... I'm through with these clippings, no. <sighs> Thanks ever so much. Oh, you're welcome, miss. Anytime at all. Thanks. You're very cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, save your pennies. Who's the sleeping beauty? I don't know. She spent all morning going over the Gilmore clips. Here they are. She... What? Yeah, she was making notes on the... Hey! Hey, don't... Hotshot, where have you been? You look as if you'd lost something. You didn't run across a tall, thin, sleepy, slinky dame about 35 years old hiding in the ladies' room by any chance, did you, Effie? No. Shall I go and look? Never mind. I was at an elevator in the Chronicle building when I lost her. Maybe you should hire a private eye. Shut up. Uh, take an ad for insertion in all the evening papers. Two entries under personals and for sale. Uh, rare coin, Guiana Sovereign, Colonial Mint, Dated 1720. How do you spell sovereign? Look it up. Bids from collectors welcomed. Only bona fide offers will be considered. How do you spell Guiana? Capital G, uh, look it up. Put our address and phone number on it. No name. Phone it in right away. I want to make this evening's late additions. I sent Effie home and waited. The 5.30 final carried the ad. At 7, the phone still hadn't rung. I began to wonder if the service hadn't been shut off. At 7.30... 
Come in. The door opened and in walked a redhead who was anything but sleepy. Anything. Are you the party that advertised a rare coin for sale in this evening's bulletin? Come right in. Sit down. I want that coin, Mr. Spade. I have every right to it. Yeah? You're uh, Gilmore's secretary, Lena Best, aren't you? Yes, and... Oh, well, I... I'm also Bernard Gilmore's widow. Well, you're a surprise in more ways than one, Mrs. Gilmore. Please, I, I'd rather you didn't call me Mrs. Gilmore. Okay, Lena. Uh, you see, oh, I, well, Mr. Gilmore and I were secretly married. Not even his partner, Emil Tonescu, knew about it. What do you know about the Guiana Sovereign? Well, all I know is that Mr. Gilmore told me that if anything ever happened to him, that I was to let Mr. Tonescu know that I have the coin. Did he say why? No, he didn't. It, it was a symbol of something to them. They were both superstitious about it. Yeah? How about you? You superstitious, too? All I know, as long as Bernard kept that coin locked up in a safe, he stayed alive. The only time he ever took it out, he, he was killed. Tonescu said he always carried it with him. Tonescu's a liar. Excuse me. Yeah? Are you the gentleman who advertised a rare coin for sale? Right. My name is Joshua Gainsborough. I'm a numismatist. A what? Numismatist, a dealer in rare coins. Oh, yeah. I should like to examine that coin you advertised. If it's a genuine Guiana sovereign, I'd like to make you an offer for it. Come to my office. We'll talk it over. Well, unfortunately, I can't. Uh, would it be too convenient for you to bring it to me? Where's your place? Uh, the Garford Apartments on Bush Street. Garford Apartments on Bush Street. Yeah, I know the place. Uh, don't bother to ring the bell. I'll leave the front door on the latch. Come directly up the stairs to apartment 3A. Apartment 3A. I got it. Be there in ten minutes. Sorry, Lena, we'll have to talk some other time. What are you going to see her for? See who? I can't risk it, Mr. Spade. Give me that sovereign. <laughs> it's bad manners to point guns at people so early in the evening. Besides, your handshaking. Here, let me help you. You've been laughing at me all the time. Look, sweetheart, I'm sorry. It's just that I haven't got time to be a big brother to every dame that comes in here now. Go on home and wash your face. If I find the coin and I don't find out something about you first that I don't want to find out, I'll see that it's delivered to you. The Garford Apartments was one of those buildings the San Francisco earthquake was foolish enough to spare. A mop and pail stood in the entry and the bell panel was slightly on the bias. I looked at the mail slot for apartment 3A. The name on it was not Joshua Gainsborough. I started climbing and I saw a man leaning over the banister upstairs. He was dressed in a white linen suit. He had a great egg-shaped bald head. And underneath it were two piggish eyes, one button nose, and two rosebud lips. I took it easy going up. He was leaning on a heavy cane and he kept beckoning at me with it, trying to push me up faster. Are you the gentleman with the sovereign, sir? Yeah. Oh, come along, sir. Come along. Don't rush me, Mr. Gainsborough. I go to pieces. To pieces, indeed. Uh, uh, in here, sir. Come right along. Thank you for coming, sir. Uh, you see, I've dislocated my shoulder and can't get about. Now, sir, the sovereign, if you please. I looked around. The room was small and stuffy. There was a pair of pants on every chair. On the mantelpiece, there was a collection of knickknacks, glass dogs, a decanter full of rum, a speckled piggy bank, and a picture of a girl. It was a picture of a sleeping beauty who had the Gilmore clips at the Chronicle. Well, sir, do uh, you have the coin with you? You haven't made me an offer. Isn't it customary, sir, for the buyer to examine before purchasing? 
caveat emptor? I'm not asking you to buy. I'm asking you for an offer. Then you shall have it, sir. I offer you immunity from the police in exchange for the coin and my daughter. Your, uh, your daughter. You mean that dame in the picture? Oh, don't play the innocent one with me, sir. I have no time for charades, Mr. Spade. I know who you are. I didn't know it showed. Oh, come now, come now. The coin and the whereabouts of my daughter. How did she get into the caper? You face a most serious charge, sir. She is mentally unbalanced. She disappeared from our apartment and my coin with her. Yes, Mr. Spade, my coin. I don't quite know how you managed to gain possession of the coin, but my natural filial concern for my daughter will no longer keep me from turning you over to the police. Shall we dance? You don't believe me, sir? No. 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 <laughs> right out, no. <laughs> uh, I like you, sir. Sit down, sir, sit down. We'll, we'll talk this over. I'm still listening. Very well. You have the coin. I want the coin. And not your daughter. Oh, come now, Mr. Spade. You needn't trap it in. You know I never had a daughter. But you do have a wife. A wife, sir? And she's very attractive in widow's weeds. You know. Oh, that's priceless. <laughs> priceless, sir. You know. I know. Well, how did you guess that? Quite a bandage for a shoulder sprain. So the bullet just wings you. You went into the river, huh? Precisely, sir. Fortunately, there was a storeroom under the pier which served nicely. Oh, this is wonderful, sir. <laughs> wonderful. Two, two imposters, both knowing and playing our battles of comedy. <laughs> a drink, sir. Uh, would you hand me the decanter just behind you? Uh, just there, sir. I turned around to get it, and I got it. <sighs> I got just a glimpse of him in the mirror, and that heavy cane caught me full on the top of the head. I staggered and tried to get my arms over his, but I got it again right across the face, and then it was all the way down, and he gave it to me at will. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the first in a new series of programs bringing to the air for the first time the adventures of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. Every man has some detective ability, certainly enough to detect this fact. The people are naturally attracted to the man who is handsomely groomed. Most men realize this. And that's why they're so particular about what they put on their hair. Recently, hundreds of men in metropolitan New York were asked, what five advantages do you consider most important in a hair tonic? And tonight, for the first time, we announce the results from this investigation. They show that one hair tonic, Wild Root Cream Oil, has all five advantages voted most important by this impartial consumer jury of men. One, Wild Root Cream Oil grooms your hair neatly and naturally, never leaves it sticky or greasy. Two... It relieves annoying dryness. Three, it removes loose dandruff. Four, is non-alcoholic. Five, contains soothing lanolin. And remember, no other leading hair tonic gives you all five of these important advantages. So next time you visit your barber, ask for Wild Root Cream Oil and get the big economy-sized bottle of Wild Root Cream Oil at your drug or toilet goods counter. <laughs> Now, back to the Guiana Sovereign. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. 
There was a clanging inside of my head like all the fire trucks in San Francisco gone berserk. I opened my eyes. I was still lying on the floor where I'd been when Mr. Gainsborough let me have it. There was still someone sitting in the chair across from me, but it wasn't him. It was Emil Tomescu, looking very thin, very dark, and very dead. The phone was right under his elbow. I had crawled over to it and was reaching for it when I saw a wad of paper lying on the floor under Tomescu's feet. I straightened it out and strained my eyes into focus. It was a telegram addressed to the dead man. A found party who will exchange coin for ankle bracelet. It was signed Calypso. I rammed it into my pocket. Yeah? Hello. Who is this? Who'd you want? Oh, Sam. It's Lena Best. What are you doing there at this hour? Why didn't you call? I'd be half out of my mind. Old tidy would be all the way out. You're no longer a widow. What? Bernard Gilmore's alive. Now that I've seen him, I can understand you're identifying any bloated stiff that comes out of the bay. But, Hal, please, I, I wish you'd explain. I need some answers myself, Lena. I need them bad. You know the dame that lives in this flat? Yes. Don't trust her. The bell says it's Kara Kenbrook. That her? Yes. Who is she? Well, she and Mr. Gilmore were in business together in, in, in Trinidad. Trinidad. Okay, sweetheart. Oh, be careful, Sam. Save it, sweetheart. We're lucky you'll be a widow all over again. I pushed the late Mr. Tomescu into the closet and cleaned the place up a little. And I took another gander at the telegram. I walked out of the building, grabbed a cab, and told the hacky to drive into the Calypso Club. It was a third-rate night spot with a gambling hell upstairs. I spotted her at the bar and walked over. She was still wearing slacks, and she was the same sleeping beauty I'd seen in the Chronicle office and in the picture in the apartment on Bush Street. Hello, Sarah. Who are you? Tonescu sent me. Buy me a drink? Sure, what'll it be? Rum and Coke. Rum and Coke and a shot. Hey, you, bartender. Now you bring the change in pennies. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Penny. Well, come on, Cara. You said you'd trade it for the bracelet. What do you know about the bracelet? Tonescu showed me the wire. You know, you and I could make a good thing out of this. If I sell it to him, Cara. I want to get out of this town tonight. Okay, we can still do business. I'm staying. Are you bluffing? You don't even know what the sovereign is. A guy like Tonescu ought to be willing to pay for a long time. It wouldn't be good for the steamship business if it got out that he'd been a con on Devil's Island. What? you find that out? Using my brains. First time I saw him, I knew he was covering up a scar from a stretch on a chain gang. You gagged that ankle bracelet. Oh, you're pretty cute yourself. Smart, too. But I haven't got the sovereign with me. Where is it? In my apartment. I'm scared to go back there. Maybe Gilmore found it. There's a change. Thanks. Look at me. Huh? Two pennies. My hobby. Save them for my piggy bank. You'd be surprised how they mount up. Say, am I uh, keeping you up, sweetheart? Oh, no, no. All right, drink your drink and let's get back to your apartment. I told you I'm scared to go there. All right, all right. Tell me where you stashed it and I'll go oh, my... Oh, no, you don't know. I'm smarter than you think I am. Well, make up your mind. Okay. I'll take a chance. Let's go. Okay. <sighs> now you got me doing it, too. Oh, pardon me. You got any more pennies for my piggy bird? 
You really play for the big door, don't you, sweetheart? Yeah. Oh, give me, give me, give me. Ouch, I was giving it to you. Hey, there's a dime in there. Too late now. Save the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves, I always say. Okay, let's get going. Come on, where is it? I see now. I want to take my darling little portable radio, three pairs of slacks. Always wear slacks, don't you? Even when shooting at your most intimate friend. Wasn't that a riot? The paper said that it was a man that shot him. Yeah, I guess they couldn't tell from the back. I don't know how I could have missed Mr. Gilmore. He wasn't any further from me than that. <gasps> Yes, Clara, darling. I wasn't much farther from this, was I? Good morning, Clara. You look sleepy. Interesting malady, isn't it, Mr. Spade? Poor Clara was unfortunate enough to contract sleeping sickness on one of her, uh, her tropical excursions. Well, now, uh, let's get down to business. This is the most fortuitous meeting, Mr. Spade. The last time I met you, I got a headache, Gilmore. I'm, I'm getting another. So come to the point. Let's get this over. An excellent suggestion, sir. Now, which one of you is going to tell me where the cell phone is? Let's not waste any time, please. I've already killed one man because he would not or could not answer that question. Killed him with this very weapon. It must be obvious by now that I mean business. Well, Mr. Spade? Carl? She can't tell you. Mm-hmm. What do you want it for, anyhow? Vanescu got tired of being blackmailed by you because you had the sovereign. Got Carl to put the bang on you, swipe it, and push you into the bay. You came back alive, worse luck, and even the score with him. What do you want with the sovereign now? Vanescu's dead. You can't shake him down anymore. Well, that coin has caused me entirely too much trouble of late. It's likely to hound me all of my days. The matter can't be closed until it's out of circulation once and for all. I'm leaving the country tonight, and I simply can't risk it, Mr. Spade. I simply can't. That's your problem. Not entirely. Somebody's going to tell me where it is. Somebody's going to tell me in the next minute or two. Speak up, Mr. Spade. Speak up, you fat clown. You ought to know better. I only talk to people I like. Do you know where the sovereign is? I don't believe you do know. Well, sir, this is my last offer. I give you one minute, exactly one minute. And after that, I'm afraid you'll never be able to talk to anyone again. I wiped the blood off my mouth and looked around the room. I was still groggy, and I wasn't sure at first that it was really happening, but it was. Behind Mr. Gilmore, the door to the hallway was opening, inch by inch. It was Lena Best, and she seemed to know what she was doing. She left the shoes outside. She edged along the wall toward the mantelpiece. Gilmore was looking at his watch, counting off the seconds. I was trying not to look at her over his shoulder. When she was directly behind him, she stopped with a hopeless gesture that told me she had nothing to help me with. Then her eyes fell on, guess what? Kara's darling little piggy bank. She picked it up with both hands and held it poised over his ugly, bald head. Well, Mr. Spade, I'm sorry to have to do this, but I... I... And with that, she let him have it. 
his hand went up in an automatic defensive gesture, and I jumped into the breach. I hooked my left over and sank it into that great, pulpy mass of chins. He dropped the gun and started backing away from me. I followed him with both fists and kept it up until I was tired. Oh, Sam, Sam. Thanks, sweetheart, thanks. What kept you? Are you all right? Look what you did to Kara's darling piggy bank. Here, help me pick this up. You'll cut your feet. Besides, there's a dime here that's mine. Maybe take a few pennies while I'm at it. Hey. Hey, look at this penny. Baby, did you ever see a penny as big as this? What is it, Sam? This is it, sweetheart. The Guiana Sovereign. Kara was right. Save your pennies and the dollars take care of themselves. <laughs> Well, that's about it, Mrs. Gilmore. The whole caper. When I got back to the office, I pried the top off of the sovereign with a nail file kindly furnished by Miss Effie Perrine and found inside just about what I'd expected. It was a dog tag with some French words on it and a number. The kind you wear on your ankle when you're a prisoner on Devil's Island. It had another name on it, but it was Tonescu's, all right, and it was the blackmail weapon that had put Gilmore in the dough and had made him half-owner of a big steamship company. As you've no doubt been informed, your late husband, Mr. Gilmore, is expected once again to become your late husband, this time in the gas chamber. Goody, goody. Kara Kenbrook will by now be yawning away into the hospital ward at the Hatchapi Prison. Uh, if you're thinking of making me a present, please make it something to wear as I don't go in for jewelry. Period. End of report. Okay, Sam, I'll type it up. Anything else? Yeah. Got ten until tomorrow? Are you kidding? No, I need it. I promised I'd take Lena for a little square dancing at the top of the mark. There's no dancing at the top of the mark. I know. Good night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart. Wild Root Cream Oil presents The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, produced and directed by William Spear. Summer sports are a lot of fun, but after a weekend of swimming, boating, or maybe tennis, how does your hair look? Chances are it's baked out by the sun and washed out by water, in no condition to make the right impression when you go back to the job Monday morning. Unless, of course, you spruced up beforehand with Wild Root Cream Oil. In that case, your hair is protected before you go out. And with just a touch of Wild Root Cream Oil afterwards, you're looking your handsome best, ready to make a smooth, successful impression wherever you go. You see, Wild Root Cream Oil is non-alcoholic and contains lanolin, the soothing oil that's like the natural oil of your skin. And it not only grooms your hair and removes loose dandruff, but actually relieves annoying dryness. Four out of five in a nationwide test preferred it to all other hair tonics they'd tried. So take Wild Root's famous FN test. Check your scalp. Signs of dryness or loose dandruff tell you, you need Wild Root Cream Oil right away. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. George Zuko appeared as Mr. Gilmore, Lorene Tuttle as Effie. Don't forget, next Friday, the three great masters of the art of hair-raising, Dashiell Hammett, William Spear, and Wild Root Cream Oil. 
Join forces to bring you another hair-raising adventure with Sam Spade. Smart girls use Wild Root Cream Oil, too, for quick, good grooming and to relieve dryness between permanents. Mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. This is Dick Joy speaking. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Welcome back. Well, a well-written mystery. A good episode, a lot of twist. And overall, it's just really competently done. Uh, yet, if you, you know, listen to the series, you know, in future episodes, you know that this is not quite the typical Sam Spade episode, which typically had more humor, and certainly Effie uh, is not character she would become as the series goes on. It's a lot more straight-laced. Again, I think this episode is really just kind of a trial run, and not trying to do too much too soon, and finding its way. And so I think for that purpose, it definitely does work. Now, I should note that this episode is relatively new, as it's been in circulation less than two years. Typically, the first episode uh, on most sets will be the episode Sam and the Psyche, which, of course, we'll listen to next week. And there are a couple of other episodes like if, that if you've listened through Sam Spade sometime in the past... Uh, they're going to be episodes that are new to you. I mean, we're not talking about Mr. Chameleon levels of new episodes, certainly not. In fact, there's just a total of three episodes. But considering the fact that we've had the same number of episodes of shows like Barry Craig, The Saint, and many others, I'll take that as a definite win. Now, there are some websites that will list the title of this episode, as Sam and the Guiana Sovereign Caper. That's kind of an attempt to make the program fit with the common later story uh, naming conventions. Just like how Dragnet didn't start with uh, titles that were all the big, and Yours Truly Johnny Dollar didn't start out doing matters, Sam Spade didn't start out doing capers. However, uh, it really was established fairly quickly, uh, probably twice to three times as quickly as in the cases of Dragnet and Johnny Dollar. The alternate naming convention only lasts through the 13 weeks of the ABC series. So we'll be into capers soon enough. Well, listener comments and feedback now. We have a comment from Sasha over on Instagram. I've been meaning to write you and say thank you for doing what you're doing and also ask some questions, but I just haven't had the time. Thought I'd at least pop in here right now and tell you thank you. I'll write a message with my questions later when I have the time. Thank you again. Listen almost every day uh, while working. Well, thanks so much and uh, appreciate uh, you taking the time to leave that note on Instagram. Now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Chris, Patreon supporter since June of 2015, currently supporting the program at the detective sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. 
Again, thanks so much for the support, Chris. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please be sure to rate and review it wherever you download your podcast from. And where applicable, like individual episodes that you enjoy. Next Wednesday, we're going to begin a new series, Dangerous Assignment. And of course, next Monday, we're going to bring you another adventure of Sam Spade. But coming up tomorrow, join us for Mr. Chameleon, where... Miss Daisy Howe? Oh, 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 yes. Uh, you're Mr. Chameleon. I seem to have startled you. Oh, no. No, Mr. Chameleon, not at all. Who do you think could have murdered my sister, Christine? I've no idea, Miss Daisy. I thought you might help me. I suppose that you heard nothing either at the time your sister was murdered, which must have been about 5 a.m. I heard nothing, no. I can't say that you seem heartbroken over your sister's death. I shan't pretend to you, Mr. Chameleon. I didn't like my sister. I'm not surprised, Daisy. Considering that Christine not only took Larry Wilson away from you and married him, but later refused to give him his freedom. So you know. Mr. Chameleon, surely you don't think... I'm beginning to think Larry Wilson had excellent reasons for wanting your sister Christine out of the way. Oh, but I did too. I did too. Daisy, are you saying that you killed her? No. No, but Larry... Larry wouldn't harm anyone, not even Christine. Well, then who would? Oh, I don't know. I can't imagine. Daisy, your aunt, Mrs. Dennison, seemed to think that Christine had some evil hold over Larry, her husband, so that uh, he wasn't able to fight for his freedom. I don't know about that either, Mr. Chameleon. All I'm sure of is that Larry Wilson isn't capable of murder. And you can think of no other enemies that your sister might have had, no one who had reason to murder her. No. Well, then her husband, Larry Wilson, is still the main suspect. No, wait. There is someone else that... Only... Oh, he's so pathetic, so hopelessly meek. As I told your aunt, the meek can be very terrible. Who is this man, Daisy? Drew Dennison, Aunt May's husband. You see, Mr. Chameleon, my sister Christine thought it would be a lark to make him fall in love with her, so she did, but... But Drew Dennison learned to hate her just as Larry hated her. Christine wouldn't let him go? No. She even got a sort of kick out of our all living in this apartment. And since Christine paid the bills... I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Great Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.